Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Accelerator. Uh, I am Michael Conniff, your host, um, and we are here as a podcast for founders, startups, and entrepreneurs. yourself, do your own research, don't count on anyone but yourself for that. Um, but uh, what we do is we bring together interesting people from the community. And one of those people is um, Francis Santora. Welcome, Francis. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. He is, uh, Francis uh, is a man of many hats, but um, a couple of them are that he is an investor himself. And I hope we get to talk about some of his investments. And he has written this great blog called, and I love the name of your Francis, it's called Tremendous Blog. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous dot blog, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad so you enjoy I, it. Yeah, I want to make sure that people um, get there because we're going to talk about it in a little bit because you do talk about um, being an investor and dealing with founders and different kinds of companies and opportunities. So it's really a great and, and very entertaining blog. And I commend you as a blogger myself, as a person who started a blog, blog called Aspen Post and ran it for the better part of 10 years. I am, uh, I am very impressed with your blog. So uh, congrats on that. Well, now, thank um, you. You could probably give me some tips. Uh, yeah, it's hard to make money with a blog, but <laughs> that would be my tip. <laughs> but it's great for promotion. It's great for promotion, but um, no, good for you and, and well done. We will talk about that. So first of all, tell us, um, um, I know you're uh, uh, from Wisconsin, from and went to the University of Wisconsin, which makes you a badger forever. But tell me your path to getting to investing on your own. How did you get here? Well, I originally, right when I got out of college, worked for a company that's based right in Madison, Wisconsin, where the university is called Epic. They're pretty much the biggest provider of electronic medical records, basically software that runs hospital systems. So I worked there for a while. I worked in consulting on the same software system for a number of years, all in about 14 years or so. And you do anything for 14 years, no matter what it is, and you might be looking for a change. So in 2019, July, I thought you were going to say, I, I thought you were going to say after 14 years, you really know something, but no, you're looking for a change. Okay. <laughs> well, after 14 years, you, I still learn new things almost every single day. And that was one cool aspect uh, of working in medical software. Um, but in July of 2019, I transitioned to, I was investing kind of on the side. I transitioned to investing full time. Um, and then about a year ago, I started investing in startups specifically. Um, the reason I did that is having a background in tech, it seemed like kind of a natural fit and it's interesting. And, you know, if you, if you choose the right one, you know, you can do very well. Yeah. So, so what do you look for in a startup? What, what's the secret sauce here? I'm always looking for that. Well, I usually invest. I mean, the secret sauce is different for different investors, like different people do different stages, different types of companies. For me, what I tend to look for is seed stage companies. Um, they're usually no more than a couple of years old. They generally have valuations somewhere between maybe eight and $20 million, give or take. Um, they probably have revenue in most cases. That's something I look for. Um, and that, that filters out a lot of early stage companies, frankly. Um, 
And I want that revenue to be growing fast. I want it to be growing ideally over 20% month over month for a seed stage company. Um, I want them to have a real product in market instead of just a deck that says, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm like, okay, but there's other companies that have it actually in the market. And I can, if it's a consumer product, I can even go use it. So that real world track record, that's something I look for. And the track record is not going to be 10 years long in a seed stage company, but some kind of track record. I'd like to see about six months. Um, now, for your consumer apps, it can be a little different. They don't always monetize real early. Um, but you could look at six uh, consecutive months of user growth, things like that. You know, now I remember one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I think I saw you on one of the unicorn pitches. Um, yeah. I think that's how we met and um, which are, which have really been interesting. I recommend anybody checking them out. Um, um, the Accelerator is a marketing partner. Very lucky to be able to see all of those. But what what um, what strikes me about uh, your questions uh, in the. You always ask, what are the last three months of revenue? Always. Right? Yep. <laughs> it, it, it speaks to what you're saying. You want to see some growth. You want to see some momentum. I am repetitive, um, but, <laughs> but not it's, actually a <laughs> it's actually a technique I learned from the angel investor, Jason Calacanis, um, you know, very, very prominent angel investor. He was early in Uber, Calm, Robinhood, so on oh, yeah, and so forth. Well. Yeah. And it's a good way to kind of get an idea, what is the growth trajectory of this company? In a, in a fast, like just a quick question you could ask somebody on LinkedIn or blah, blah, blah in an email. Now, I mean, you're not getting to the level of all their financials at that point, but it can kind of give you an idea. Is this company growing or are they not growing? Because, you know, growth is kind of the name of the game. Um, yeah. yeah. That's why I ask that so frequently. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a very simple question and it's really a good one. Um, now, let me ask you this. Tell us about your portfolio of investments and maybe um, one's and maybe what differentiates the ones that look more promising than the other ones? Um, well, I think the SaaS businesses probably have a little bit easier time maintaining high growth. Um, a consumer company can have high growth for a while, and then it kind of starts to stall a little bit. I notice my SaaS investments kind of maintaining that a little better, but there's always exceptions. Um, one area that not just for me, but I think for a lot of people has been problematic in the last maybe year is the whole D to C startup thing, you know, which are, which are more or less like consumer products sold in a kind of techy right. way. Um, and you know, what would be an example of that having a little bit of difficulty? Um, well, one area where they're really, a lot of them are struggling is just a huge exp expansion in their customer acquisition costs in the last little under a year. I believe the iOS 14 update was May of 2021. And that meant that you couldn't target your ads in a very accurate way. Like all the Apple users, which are generally considered the highest potential revenue users, you know, on average wealthier and so forth you can't target them. So you could be advertising your women's underwear brand to men in Norway, and you only ship in America. <laughs> and so you're wasting your ad dollars. And so what I saw across companies I invested in and others that I didn't 
triple of their CAC. It costs three times as much to get a customer as before. And that business model just doesn't work for most companies. So they had to find new channels and they're getting there. Influencer marketing, ads on podcasts actually is a big one, uh, yeah. organic content. But the standard playbook of Facebook and Insta ads, more or less over for a lot of those companies. That's interesting. I, I, I wasn't totally aware of that. That's, that's really good to know. So in your portfolio companies, what are, what are the ones you really feel good about that are on the right track? Maybe you can, maybe you can name them too, so we can follow them. Well, uh, I will qualify this by saying being omitted from this list doesn't mean I don't love you to the startups um, that I've invested in. It's like, Someone asked me just this weekend, a friend, like, so which one do you think will do the best? I'm like, that's like picking a favorite child. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But some that, have, that are really cool. I'll just talk about a few investments I've made recently that are, I think are really cool. Uh, there's a company called Vade, V-A-D-E. Mm-hmm. And especially if you've lived in like a bigger city, you probably had that experience of you're driving home. You're trying to find a street parking spot. Good luck um what you can wind up circling a block for 20 minutes after you only took a 10 minute car trip what vade can do is take you directly to that open parking spot just the way you know Waze or google maps would take you to any destination it well, does I'm, it with i'm from new york city i gotta stop you i can't believe oh perfect this. i don't believe this so you're saying that you have an, a company with an app that takes you right to an open parking place Yes, sir. Currently in use in San Francisco, I believe. Um, I haven't tried it myself because I don't have a car and I don't. But um, well, I don't know how intimate you are. You're outside New Jersey now, but I don't know how in, in New Jersey, outside New York. I don't know how intimately you know New York parking, but not uh, well. New York has um, alternate side of the street parking in many, many streets. So you're often, uh, you know, people, you, you see cars double parked, but basically they have to go down. And um, and park their car with it within a very tight window, and then I of course live outside New York. I never bring a car into New York because parking yeah. is so bad. And I have done exactly what you said, which is circle, 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 circle. So this oh, yeah. sounds fantastic. Is it a subscription service? Is that how it pays for itself? It's a subscription service, but you don't pay anything, which makes it even better. The people who pay are the municipalities. They pay them to put intentionally low res cameras. So there's not like a really a privacy concern. Like I've seen footage from these cameras and they wouldn't know me from you from, you know, you know, a woman or it's not to the level of facial recognition. And that was one thing that concerned me. But seeing those feeds allayed my concerns. And Vade and actually puts in their own cameras? Yes. Um, and then it has software that can tell, okay, there's a car in that parking spot. There's not a car in that parking spot. And there's so much else it can do. Like the, the main sales pitch to the municipalities, as I understand it, is really more for the fact that it makes parking enforcement super easy. If somebody's double parked or they're parked in the bike lane, or they're parked in the fire lane or in front of the fire hydrant, the Vade camera will pick it up and bing, they know right away. Uh, no so need to drive around. The muni- so it works both ways. The municipality also knows you're, you're illegally parked. Yes, yes. Oh, and okay. that's like a double big sales pitch. 
double-edged sword we call that okay so um, <laughs> but but what a great app so uh here's the key thing a new yorker will tell you does it pick up hydrants does it identify hydrants i believe so um although i don't want to say to a certainty because i don't want to speak for the company and say something that's incorrect that because there's, I, I there's, think so. there's at least one on every block so you, you in here's in in New York, when you're parking, you're like excited. Oh, look, a spot, and you—it's a hydrant every. You know, yep. Every time. Yeah. So <laughs> believe what, it or not, I even dealt with that in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, where I used to live. Like, not as bad as New York, but bad enough. Yeah, I believe you. I believe you. Now, now, how about some of your other companies? That's certainly a great one. Vade, V-A-D-E. That's correct. Yeah, they're that's based a, in North Carolina. Evade the parking ticket. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You know, I never thought of that. But yeah, they just raised a big seed round. Like, I think it was 4.2 million led by Upfront Ventures, Mark Cluster, and I'm a little teeny tiny part of that. Um, you. So, you know, I'm very excited for them. I think it's a cool technology. And it could really, because I used to ride a bike in this area more than I do today, uh, after I learned how crazy the drivers are. And when you see those constant cars in the bike lane, you got to go out into traffic on your bike. And I'm always thinking like, are these my last minutes on earth basically? Yeah. Yeah. And Vade could protect people from that. So it, it goes even further than convenience. You know? All right, that's a great one. Give us another one. Okay, one that closed recently uh, is a company called Fathom, fathom.fm. It's really cool. Like, let's say you want to search the answer to a question. like. I, I took as an example, like, uh, how should angel investors choose companies? Well, a lot of the best information is in podcasts like this one, not necessarily in text. So if you search that on Google or DuckDuckGo, you're not going to get that stuff. Um, meanwhile, if you search on Fathom, it can natural language process the language in the podcast, take you directly to a clip that is highly relevant to you. So when I tested really, this, really, so so that really sounds uh, pretty amazing, actually, because um, that's a huge problem. Um, and by the way, I'm sure they've thought of this long ago, but same problem with a Zoom call, right? Where you record a Zoom call. So does it work? Is it's a consumer app? Is it also a business app? Just a consumer app right now. I could see applications and basically any kind of video or audio more or less but right now it's a podcast player and it's uh, an extremely advanced one and it doesn't cost a penny um so you Is know if your audience a, wants a transcript or just a video clip or an audio clip what it will do is say if you search something, it doesn't take you to a big transcript to read. It just takes you directly to the point in the podcast that's relevant to your question. Um, that would be an amazing uh, audio and video production tool, a research tool, obviously. Yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah. I'm going to test it out on this podcast with you with you in it, and we'll see how how well it works. Let's do it. Because um, we're on we're on all the major platforms with this one. So okay, uh, no, right. that that sounds really. Um, I, I don't know. I, it sort of sounds profound to me because this is a big problem. Um, I like to say, and, and also with video, I like to say, you know, video is really actually people think digital video is digital. It sort of acts like it's analog. It's really hard to work with. It's hard to find things. It's hard to search. It's all of those things. So, so this could really be a big one. That's great. Okay. One more. Give me one more. 
One more. Okay. Uh, how about Catface? That was one of the earlier investments I made. Um, what they do, how I would describe it, is they're it, basically it Cat. Say it again. Catface. C A P B E. Okay. One Catface. of your first ones, huh? Yeah. Com. Yeah, that was one of my first. Uh, they're doing great. What they basically are is a startup in a box. If you want to start a startup and you're not familiar with legal and stock options and blah, 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 which most founders probably aren't, especially technical founders, God knows I'm not, you can basically in a few clicks create a startup and create it properly, create a Delaware C Corp, create an employee stock option plan, create a board of directors. You can do all the paperwork for a round of funding. You can even have what's called your cap table, like the list of who owns your company and how much, update automatically as those investors' wires come in. Like, okay, let's say Michael is wiring in a million dollars in the round of uh, EBC Corporation, and it's a $10 million valuation. Now your cap table updates. Michael has 10%. And I don't know of any other platform that can do that. And what's really cool is I sometimes see startups that have incorporated improperly. Um, like say, for example, as an LLC, you can't raise venture funds with an LLC. And so happens all the time. And when you people, people really listen to this, say that again, if you take nothing else from this podcast, do not make your startup an LLC. You cannot raise venture capital with an LLC or it's next to impossible. You may as well uh, say. Is the C Corp the best, do you think? Delaware C Corp is, is the standard. It's what you want to do. And that's what CapBase will give you. And how is CapBase different than FirstBase? Have you heard of FirstBase? Not does familiar. Similar, it does a similar thing. You can incorporate for $399 in Delaware with all the paperwork, if you're, even if you're from out of the, outside the country. How is CapBase priced? How do they price that? Oh, I don't know the pricing offhand. Um, I want to say it's a thousand a year for early stage startups, but I could be incorrect on that. Okay. Um, I do remember. Look at first bases, you know, as a competitor. Mm. The and, thing is, if first base incorporates, that's good. But cap base goes way beyond that yeah, in generating all the documents for a, like a safe mm -hmm. or a price round. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. it goes it goes a very long way. You can create an employee stock option plan. Pretty much anything legally or financially you'd need to do with your startup is basically there. Uh, and the CEO, Greg, is, you know, super smart guy. When I had lunch with him a while ago, I felt like a dope. <laughs> He's a very, very smart man. That's, but that's, that's what I want. A, I want yeah, founders that yeah. I feel stupid around, you know. <laughs> can I quote you on that? <laughs> Such a good way Please to do. It. Please do. <laughs> if so, they don't make me feel dumb, I'm probably not interested. <laughs> I, I want to have some fun now. Not that this hasn't been fun. We're talking to Francis Santora. He is uh, an investor um, and also the purveyor of a blog called Tremendous Blog at Tremendous.blog. I just want to, I want to read <laughs> the first headline on the page today. It's so great. Robot pizzas and the future of food. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us about robot pizzas and the future of food. Such a great, such a great subject. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, what I mostly was talking about is an interesting Israeli startup called Hyper Robotics. What they do is they have a basically robotic restaurant that 
they deliver in something that basically resembles a shipping container, but it looks nicer. And it can do pretty much the entire pizza making process. It doesn't form the dough, but after you have the dough disc that's like preloaded into the machine, you can take that out. It puts a little sauce on it. It does it around real nice like that. So it's evenly spread on, spread on the crust. You put it forward. There goes the cheese. You put it forward a little more. Now you've got some toppings. You've got some pepperoni. It'll bake it. It'll even put it in the box. But for right now, they still need a person to take the box and hand it to the customer. I'm not quite sure why that is, but evidently that's how it works. The easiest part, right? You would think, right? I don't know. Um, Did you taste it? What's that? Have you been able to taste it? No, they only have one location and it's in Israel. So (laughs) it'll be a while before I get an opportunity. Um, But it looked great. Now, I think I'm a big fan of blogging. And by, you men, mentioned Jason Calcanis early, earlier. I don't know him personally, really, but um, literally, well, maybe not 25 years ago, but um, about 15 to 20 years ago, I was asked by an editor. Uh, we were kicking around ideas for stories. And he said, you know what I need? I need a story that is called, What is a Block? Mm-hmm. Um, and... I hear a lot about blogs, but nobody seems to know what it is, really. So I got, and this is, um, I'm recommending this to people if they ever want to know something about something. I actually talked to 25 of the most forward-thinking and involved people in blogging. Jason Calcanis was one of the first. He, he was practically yeah. the first blogger. And, um, and it led me, it had a pretty profound effect on me because at the time I was a journalist and thought blogging was kind of beneath me. I came out of that project, that story, um, starting a big blog that went for a long time and had over you know, 50,000 monthly users in a town of 6,000, Aspen College, wow. called Aspen Post. Um, it was very hard to monetize that, but it was a great experience. Um, we had 80 bloggers. We had um, we created over a hundred thousand pieces of individual content, counting blogs and comments and everything. So it was very robust, hard to monetize. So you are probably not making money directly from your blog, but why do you do it? Um, I make a little, but it's not a lot. I think currently it makes maybe two fifty a month or something like that, um, which you know better than zero. It's a little fun money, you know. You go out to dinner, what have you, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, when I started blogging, my first post, if you go all the way back on that site, is November 30th of 2020. At that point, especially in the New York area, it kind of looked like we were about to go into a second COVID lockdown. As so many people, I had lost so many of the hobbies that I had due to the lockdown. You couldn't do them anymore. I used to volunteer at an animal shelter. They closed that. I used oh. to have a French conversation group in the city that... So that still hasn't come back yet. I don't know when that's coming back. So I'm like, I need I've, a got, hobby. I've, got a, I've got another one of those for you. I have a friend who does that. Oh, really? Well, yeah. do tell. Uh, yeah, send me an email later. Yeah. Um, sure. But I figured I need some kind of a hobby that nobody can cancel, uh, that wouldn't be affected <laughs> by any kind of lockdown. Yeah. And so I started writing. Um, I actually had a different blog many years ago. I was like 18 um, mm. about the LSAT. And like how to do well or so forth. Um, turns out I never really needed the LSAT, but, uh, but I wanted to write on just 
whatever topic I wanted, because that topic was extremely limiting. And so now I resist being pigeonholed into any particular area. I just write about what I feel like writing about. And if people want to read it, tremendous.blog. And if they don't, well, no hard feelings. <laughs> but there's also, um, there's a fair amount about, you know, startups, companies, investing, investors, investment companies. So it's sort of, it isn't the only thing you write about, but it's one of the things you write about. Again, yeah. that's tremendous.blog, tremendous blog. I think it's a tremendous name, by the way. Well, thank um, you. I think having a good name for a blog is uh, is half the battle. Um, I still have a blog on my site called Con Games. I used to have a Michael Conniff, and I used to have a Oh, wow, I like that. Con Games. So uh, and I was known as the Con Man when I had that show. So I still kind of vaguely maintain that. But let's let's look to the future a little bit. What what um, what are you looking for now? We talked a little bit about you know the secret sauce and so on. You talked about sort of generally uh, what you look for. But are there specific sectors? Are there specific uh, other than at, at, at um, SaaS? Are there specific things you're looking for? Um, I look at software pretty broadly. Um, I I don't really kind of like the blog, I don't really get pigeonholed in any particular area. I want to find high growth software companies and I don't emphasize too much what exact sector they're in because those really exceptional com companies, they come in a variety of sectors and you're lucky to be even able to get into one, much less one in a very particular industry or so forth. Well, you mean because there's a lot of competition for the money? Yeah, and that there is. Um, I mean, it's kind of a commodity now. Uh, so, mm -hmm. like, let's say that if I was focused on consumer apps and, uh, you know, the deal memo for Snowflake 10 years ago across my desk, I wouldn't want to rule it out just because, oh, it's a little bit different kind of software than what I normally do. Like, you know, I want to make sure I have access to the best stuff. Sure, sure. Well, Francis Santora, you've been a terrific guest on the Accelerator with Michael. Thank Conner. you. That's me. You'll have to come back and tell us. Uh, tell I would us love that. Your the path of your investments and your your uh, your journey through this startup space. Um, but um, I think one one thing I would like others um, to take away from this is that if you are thinking about write a, writing a blog or having a blog, have a blog. Write a blog. Uh, if you have the impulse to write, it's one of the most, it sounds to me like you do it for fun in part, right? Pretty much. I, I don't think people, and I'm a writer, I'm really a full-time writer as much as I am anything. And I don't think people realize how much fun writing can be. They always associate pain and suffering with it. And, you know, there is that for sure that happens. But, um, you know, if I had nothing but pain and suffering, I never would have written a word. I just find it very joyful. And here's the other thing people don't realize. You can speak to this too, Francis. It really helps you to think about things, doesn't it? It does. Before you can write about something, you have to have at least a tentative idea. What do I think about this? And really the vast majority of the time I spend writing posts isn't actually writing. It's more researching and figuring out what do I really think of this subject? Actually getting the words out into the computer is no more than a few minutes. Yeah, there you go. You think about it. I'm, I actually do it the other way around. I rely on when my fingers go on the keyboard. I kind, oh. of, 
I, I, um, I'm of the Yogi Berra school that you can't think and write at the same time. So <laughs> I just kind of, you know, I go, I start, I start and I keep going until I'm done. That's so it's, there, there are a lot of ways to skin a cat, but thank you, Francis, Francis Santora on the accelerator. Great to have you here. Um, you've been a terrific guest and I look forward to many such chats in the future. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. This is The Accelerator with Michael Conniff here bringing entrepreneurs, founders, startups together with angels, VCs, family offices, and investment firms. And uh, we are on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify and Substack and, and uh, Audible and many others. So make sure to check us out. There's also a video of this on YouTube. You can follow me at Michael Conniff, uh, A at M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F on Twitter. And um, you can also go to my website, which is my name, michaelconniff.com. So thanks for being with us and uh, we'll see you again soon.